the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. Great is His faithfulness. Do you know His faithfulness? If you don't know His faithfulness, you don't know His peace. You don't know His rest. If you don't know His faithfulness, you don't know Him to the degree that He wants you to. In every area where you've allowed fear and anxiety and the complexity of life to entrap your mind, will, and emotions... You have forgotten the faithfulness of God. The reality is that the faithfulness of God was the very life essence of who Christ was when he came to this earth. He came empty-handed. He had nothing. He didn't have a proper place to be born. He didn't have the regal robes of a king, though he came as one. He came with nothing. And God was able to show his faithfulness through a man who was willing to come with nothing. God was able to show his strength to a man who was willing to be weak. God was able to show his abundance to a man who was willing to suffer loss. In this, Jesus was the epitome and the marquee of God's faithfulness. That in every need, in every essential of life, in everything that came against him, that required strength, that required wisdom, that required some type of tenacity or determination in everything, Jesus turned to the Father and God was faithful. Now... That's a hard thing to embrace on a day-to-day basis. But you can see the faithfulness of God in your individual lives as he has been faithful in all of these areas of your life. The things, many of us can't even remember what the greatest concern was last year at this time. Many of us have difficulty remembering what really vexed us two years ago. What we thought was a life and death issue is now a matter of lost in in memory. Why? How did we make it through? How is it that we're, we're still walking in faith? His faithfulness. You see, the thing about flesh is, 
It is the exact opposite of the faithfulness of God. Flesh is never faithful. It is always deceiving. It is always untrue. It does not bring rest. It brings unrest. It does not bring peace. It brings anxiety and fear. The greatest need of this flesh that we live in is to have a God who is faithful. So the world out there seeks to secure itself in the faithfulness of the resources of its flesh. And God designed man to live in the faithfulness of himself. Now this is becoming more and more apparent to us as those areas where we had stability begin to crumble, particularly in the nation. As those areas that we, we thought would be, remain true, that we could stand upon, the foundations that the, that the country was built on, the things that we marked as being stable and strong begin to, begin to dissipate. And we look around us and we say, wow. What are we supposed to do? God, are you going to be faithful? (laughs) I haven't changed. I haven't changed. How did Paul handle all of the troubles and tribulations and abuses? You see, Paul made a very conscious decision and determination with his life. He decided that he would rather live in the faithfulness of God than in the security of this world. And he would rather suffer loss than to be dependent upon the provision of this world. That he would rather be strong in the Lord and weak in the flesh. Well, that paradigm wasn't new. It was exactly the paradigm that Christ walked in. It's exactly the paradigm that he's called you to. As Christians, we live in the grace of God, in the faithfulness of God. And to the degree that we have unrest in our lives, it's where we've cast off that truth. Is there anything too big for God? Is there anything too great for him? No. Is there anything in this life that could overcome or be greater than the faithfulness of our God? No. You were designed to walk with an empty bag. And many of us look at that as a curse. No, no, no. You've got to be prepared. You've got to have your ducks in a row. You've got to be able to have some security. You've got to stand on your own two feet. You've got to know what you believe. You've got to stand and fight. you got to do that. all of these things. And they all sound really good in the forefront. But I'm going to tell you this, that Jesus came to illustrate the faithfulness of God. He came to give you life that you might walk in a strength other than your flesh. And he said, go forward in an empty bag. What does that mean? That means I will not live in the power of this flesh. I will not live in the confidence of this flesh. I will live in the truth of my God, the faithfulness of my God. And what he gave us was not weakness, but it was incredible strength, incredible power. Incredible victory. In fact, you might call it abundance. Because there is nothing in this temporal world that will take life from you. And the riches and the abundance of the inheritance of Jesus Christ remains as secure as God himself. Now, why am I going there? 
Because we're at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we're going to cover the first eight verses, but Paul is addressing another evidence of the Corinthians' carnality, the Corinthian believers' carnality in living according to the flesh. And Paul has addressed the root of this problem in the first three verses of chapter 3, but if you look at uh, chapter 3, verse 3, it kind of capsulizes it. He's addressing believers, and he looks them in the eye, so to speak, through his letter. And he says, you are still worldly, controlled by ordinary impulses, the sinful capacity. For as long as there is jealousy and strife and discord among you, are you not unspiritual? And are you not walking like Ordinary men, unchanged by faith. Why? Because faith wasn't in the equation. Christians have forgotten who they were. They have forgotten that they were to walk with an empty bag. They had forgotten that God was faithful. They were living after the flesh. They were allowing themselves to be ruled by the impulses of flesh. And you know what? It's natural for the unspiritual man to live that way. But it is unnatural for the child of God to live that way. If you're living to these things, if you're allowing yourself to be ruled by these impulses, then you're living like an unspiritual person. So it's natural as you're living like an unspiritual person. It is natural for you to be experiencing anxiety, fear, hopelessness, doubt, anger, all of those things. It's natural. If you were hanging off the edge of a cliff by a thin thread, you'd be a bit anxious, wouldn't you? Well, when you trust in flesh, and your life is dependent upon everything lining up right, and you're trusting in the flesh of others, you're hanging off a cliff by a thin thread, aren't you? Christians who live this way have forsaken the abundant life for a life of death, loss, and destruction. You know, I was reminded of, the, reminded of this verse last night. My wife and I went to see the movie War Room, which, by the way, was a good movie. Enjoyed it. John 10.10. 10. The little lady quotes it quite effectively. The thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Now, there are two parties here. The one who came to give abundance and a thief. And those who are determined to live after the flesh invite the thieves into their lives. They invite the thief. They're living with the thief. And those who live according to the Spirit live from the abundance of Christ. That's the parallel. If we're not living from the abundance of Christ, we're living with the thief. On this side, there is stealing, there is killing, there is destruction. All of it in the flesh. On this side, there is abundance. There is peace. There is provision. All of it according to the Spirit. Now, many Christians will tell you the issue is the thief. It's the thief that's making my life miserable. The issue is the thief. The thief's stealing my stuff. The thief's destroying my world. The thief is taking this from me and that from me. 
Well, the thief is not the issue. The issue is how they've chosen to live. It's hard to complain about somebody that you've invited into your home. It's hard to complain about somebody that you have literally given the keys to your house and that you've decided to make an excellent roommate as you live according to the flesh. And you live in the same paradigm that the world does. There is death, there is destruction, and it's the thief. It's the thief that you invited in. Now, Paul is going to address a very practical issue in the verses we're going to cover today. If you'll turn with me to chapter 6, verses 1 through 8 of 1 Corinthians. And before we begin in this, I want to give you a little context about what Paul is going to address. The first thing I will tell you is a side remark. Keep this in, in your hat. The first thing I want you to know is this, that flesh is always fixated on flesh. You ever notice that? Flesh is always distracted by flesh. Has trouble seeing God, but never any trouble being fixated on flesh. As you know, in that day, they didn't have television or internet or reality TV. So for entertainment, most of them went down to the city square, the open marketplace, and they did something that we enjoy doing from time to time, which is completely fleshy, and that is people watch. They would go down there and watch the people. And it was down there that they were able to interact and see what was going on. But the other thing that was going on there, and the thing that people found enormously entertaining, was they had an open court. Now, I, I don't know if you've ever had the occasion to be in court. I know some of us have been there. And if you're just sitting there as a casual observer, it can be rather entertaining. Also can be very dull and disheartening. But at times it can be entertaining. Well, these people had no television, they had no internet, so it was quite wonderful for them to go down there and listen to all the all the things that were being presented in that court. Now, Here's the thing about watching people. It's a fleshly activity. It invites you to judgment. I mean, that's generally where you go with it. And what it is, is it's man's or the flesh's curiosity to know about himself through the lives of others. That's what draws us to do that. Here's the principle. If you want to know who you are, look at God. Never look at flesh. If you want to know who I am, look at God. Never look at flesh. If you want to know who your neighbor is, look at God. Never look at flesh. Because he sees us as we are. He doesn't see us according to the flesh. As I said, they were in the public court where the trials were held and they loved watching the people being tried. And William Barclay... Uh, a commentator and historian, kind of describes the way the legal system worked in Corinth. He says, Paul is dealing with a problem which specifically affected the Greeks. The Jews did not ordinarily go to law in the public law courts at all. They settled all things before the elders or the village or the elders of the synagogue. To them, justice was far more a thing to be settled in a family spirit than a legal spirit. In fact, Jewish law expressly forbade a Jew to go to law at 
all in non-Jewish court. So to do so was considered blasphemy against the divine law of God. It was far otherwise with the Greek. They were characteristically a litigious people. The law courts were one of their chief entertainments. And when we study the details of Athenian law, and Athens wasn't far from Corinth, and Corinth was always duplicating what the uh, people of Athens did, so we can be pretty sure that what went on in Athens went on in Corinth. As we study the details of Athenian law, what we see are the law courts playing a major part in the daily lives of the Athenian people. And the situation in Corinth wouldn't be much different. It was there, if there was a dispute, the first attempt to settle it was by private arbiter. In that event, one arbiter was chosen by each party, and a third arbiter was chosen by agreement between both parties as an impartial judge. Now, if they failed to settle the matter, there was a court known as the Forty. Interesting name. The Forty referred the matter to a public arbiter. And the public arbiters consisted of all Athenian citizens in their 60th year. And any man chosen as an arbiter had to act whether he liked it or not, kind of like jury duty. Or they would suffer the penalty. Okay? If the matter was not settled, it had to be referred to a jury court which consisted of, get this, 201 citizens for cases involving less than about 50 British pounds, Barclay was British, and 401 citizens for cases involving more than that figure. Now get this, there were indeed cases when juries could be as large as 1,000 to 6,000 citizens. That was a jury. Can you imagine? Talk about hung juries. Wow. Juries were composed of Athenian citizens over 30 years of age. The citizen entitled to act as jurymen assembled in the mornings and were allocated by lot to the cases on trial. Now, you don't think that they were a little bit litigious? It's plain to see that in a Greek city, every man was more or less a lawyer and spent a very great part of his time either deciding or listening to law cases. The Greeks were, in fact, famous or notorious for their love of going to the law. Not unnaturally, certain of the Greeks had brought their litigious tendencies into the Christian church. And Paul was absolutely shocked. His Jewish background made the whole thing seem revolting to him, and his Christian principles made it even more so. And so in the first verse, as we look at it, he looks at it and he says, How dare you? You can see that this was their way of society. This was not something that they just took on. This was not something they endeavored to do. This was the momentum of society. So it was completely natural. It was completely natural for them to be self-protective. It was completely natural for them to be uh, uh, litigious, to go to court over every little issue. All of that was completely natural in their society. I don't think it's a whole lot different today. We don't have juries with 6,000 people. The courts would never finish. But the reality of it is that people are suing people right and left everywhere. You can't hardly get away from it if you look on any kind of medium. 
My point is this. It was very clear that what was completely natural for the world was completely unnatural for the child of God. And there was a natural, a natural momentum in the world that says this is what society is. That these Christians had at some point had to determine to turn away from and say, no, this is how we live. Now that's not something that's easily done. And we're going to see how difficult that could be. But they literally, the Corinthians didn't turn, the Corinthians invited it in. Look at verse 1. Does any one of you, when he has a complaint, a civil dispute, and we're talking predominantly civil matters, with one another, believer, dare go to law before unrighteous men, non-believers, instead of placing the issue before the saint, God's people? Paul knew what was going on over there. He's letting them know that it's contrary to the way... Christians were supposed to conduct themselves. It was contrary to the way of Christ. Both as a Christian and as a Jew, Paul was absolutely shocked that they would treat one another this way and that they would treat God this way. They were doing violence to the testimony of Christ and they were arrogantly disregarding God as their provider, their, perfect, their protector, their keeper. They had forgotten the faithfulness of God, if they ever knew it. They set it aside and preferred the justice of man. They had dared to go before the unrighteous with their disputes. And by unrighteous, Paul is not referencing the judgments of the court. He's referencing to the spiritual condition of the magistrates. These people didn't know God. They, weren't, they did not know the truth. The men of public courts were not operating in obedience to the Spirit of God. They were not acting on the wisdom of God. They had no appreciation for the Christian character or Christ's life. They were judging with flesh and logic and fleshly sensibilities. They were ruling according to the rule of law. Now look, I'm not saying that the rule of law necessarily contrasts with Scripture. Are with God's will. We were founded in a Christian nation where majority of the law initially was based on the Word of God. So there was no conflict there. But the, the beauty of the new covenant is that He came and wrote His laws upon our hearts. What does that mean to us? It's not the written word, it's the living word that he put within us that is the standard for obedience. It's literally the inclination of our hearts. Now we can see right off that there's an issue with the hearts of the people. Because they went, they ran to the rule of law. They ran to the rule of flesh. They dismissed the truth of who they were spiritually. And more importantly, they had dismissed God altogether as being faithful to keep, to guard, to protect. And here is that, that insidious issue. They had rights. They had property. They had wealth. And they had to protect it. They had to hold it close. Now let me tell you something. I'm not suggesting any man go out there and throw everything God's given him to the wind. 
that would be poor stewardship because after all, it's not yours anyway, is it? What I am telling you is this, that God didn't give it to you for you to protect. Did you hear me? He gave it to you that you might be obedient as He instructs your heart concerning it. He gave it to you that He might provide for you through it. He gave it to you for His purposes. It is His. And it is His to protect. Now, He may do that by telling you to do things that would protect your money. He may do that, but you do it in obedience. You don't do it because you're scared of losing God's provision. You don't do it because you doubt God's faithfulness to provide. You do it because you recognize that it is His, and you're going to be faithful and a good steward to whatever He's given you. That's why you do it. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.